You're listening to Agents of Humanity. Presented by the Nicholas Center. The podcast that features conversations about being human. Hosted by individuals who just happen to be on the autism spectrum. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Welcome to Agents of Humanity, presented by the Nicholas Center and produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes will be available every two weeks on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Join us for each episode as our hosts, who just happen to be on the autism spectrum, talk about everyday life as a human. Sometimes we'll interview very special people, and sometimes we will have conversations between us. In the end, we'll always ask the question, how do you make the world a better place? And become your own agent of humanity! Welcome Welcome to to Agents Agents of of Humanity! I'm Tara. I'm Jason. I'm Robert, and today's guest is... Robert Valley Jr., your father. Very good to have you on. Very good good to have you on. Very good to have you on. Thank Uh, you for having me. It's great to be here, Rob. It is great to be here, Jason. uh, Uh, Thomas uh, is not here today. So uh, let's get (laughs) to the questions. So let's get to the questions. Uh, In your own words, Dad, can you introduce yourself and what you do? Sure. My full name is Robert J. Valley Jr., I'm at a law firm called Valley, Kane, and Vanini. It is my law firm with my two partners. And we represent employees in cases involving discrimination, involving uh, unfair pay practices, and whistleblowing. Uh, yeah. Nice. Very Thank cool, you. Very cool. Yeah. Why did you decide to become a lawyer? That's a very good question. Uh, when I went to college, I went for marketing and finance, and it was not much fun. And my father suggested that I should be a lawyer because I love to argue. So I I ended up going to law school. What do you do on your free time? I love to play tennis, and I love to go bike riding. Cool. Thank you. How about your free time? What do you like? Uh, Watch YouTube videos, go outside. Oh, sounds like Robert. Loves YouTube. Yeah. Nice. So... What exactly is discrimination law defined? So, uh, in this part of the country, we have generally three laws that apply. The federal law is Title VII. The state law is the New York State um, Human Rights Law. And New York City also has its own law called the New York City Human Rights Law. And generally, all of those laws prevent employers from discriminating against employees on their membership in a protected class. Now, what does that all mean? It simply means that employers can't treat you differently because of your race, whether it's white, black, Hispanic, or other. They can't treat you differently because of your age, only over 40 for the federal government. They can't treat you differently because of your ethnicity. They can't treat you differently because of your disability. But that's a separate law called the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, but very similar to the three I mentioned before. Nice. Very, very cool. Very, very cool, Dad. Can you describe your firm, Valley Kane and Fagnini? Sure. 
Um, my partner, Sarah Kane, and I started the firm in 2005, and we then began taking discrimination cases. And we operated in Great Neck first, then moved to Garden City. Our partner, James Vagnini, joined in 2007. And now we have three partners. We have some additional uh, partners and associates and other employees that help us um, with discrimination cases. That's fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. I actually, I've actually grown up with this firm, so it's been pretty, 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 pretty much since I was in elementary school. It's been uh, around. I remember. Sure. Yeah. I remember, yeah. 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 I remember a lot of the cases you did. Um, I, 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 I remember a case Texas specifically, but we'll, let's not get into that. So, uh, so Tara, I, I believe it's your question. How do you make the world a better place? So. Um, I like to use the word insidious when it comes to discrimination because it's really awful. So if you have an individual who's being, tre being treated differently because of how they look or how they speak, um, we come in and we fight the employer. So for example, I just had a recent case involving an immigrant from Brazil who had a very heavy accent. And the employer discriminated against her because of that accent. And it was very upsetting but we were able to get her a settlement through the EEOC to compensate her for the discrimination. So that's why my job is very rewarding because it allows us to help employees who've been uh, either terminated or discriminated against because of a, an, an illegal reason. That's amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. So how extensive is the degree for discrimination law? So to be a lawyer, and be able to practice discrimination, you generally have a four-year undergrad degree in any discipline that you choose. So for instance, my undergrad degree is in marketing with a concentration in finance. My partner Sarah has an undergrad degree in, um, ooh, in fine arts, sorry, and I believe James has a degree in psychology. But all of those degrees were fine for getting into law school. Law school is then a three-year endeavor full-time or four years if you go part-time. Very cool, very cool. <laughs> yeah. So, how do you represent workers with employment and wage violations? Well, in this day and age, we now use Google and other social media sites to advertise our services. Um, so we let people know that if they've been discriminated against, they can call us for a consultation. And what that means is someone calls into my office and they speak to either myself or another attorney or one of our paralegals and describe, uh, and they describe the situation they're facing. And if they have a case and we want to take it, we then take that case and move it forward either in court or privately. Yes, very, yeah. yes, yes. It's very intricate uh, with the cases. Yes, it can be a difficult situation to decide which cases to take because there are many, many uh, cases of discrimination out there. What other things are you passionate about? Um, very passionate about fighting discrimination. Um, personally, uh, with my partners, um, we find it to be one of the most awful things that an employee can face um, to be treated differently because of how you look or how you sound or where you're from. Um, so many of the cases that we do um, allow us to provide some level of compensation for people who've been discriminated against, and that's very rewarding. 
have you had any cases specifically that deal with disability? Sure. We've had cases involving employees who work in the field who have suffered a repetitive stress injury. So those individuals are being disabled or they're disabled. Um, and as a result, we bring a case. We have a new, we have a new case right now that we're looking into involving barriers that were placed on streets in Manhattan during the pandemic to allow people to walk on the streets and for restaurants to attract customers. But when you place a barrier on a corner where there is a wheelchair uh, ramp, it prevents people with disabil physical disabilities from accessing the ramp. And yeah. that's problematic, so yeah. we're working to change that. Yeah. Is it still happening today? That situation is still happening today, yes. What other jobs do you have prior to being a lawyer? Prior to being a lawyer? Oh, well, goodness, I was a paper boy. <laughs> then I worked as a stock boy in a deli. Then I was a bank teller. Then I was a customer service representative at that bank. Uh, then I worked in another bank as an in, a legal intern. And when I graduated law school, I became an assistant district attorney, a prosecutor in Queens County, New York. That's a lot of jobs right there on your hand. It's kind of like a teeter-totter. <laughs> I do yes. agree. You have a lot of jobs. I had a lot of jobs growing yeah. up, yes. I really appreciate it. You guys like having a job as well, yeah? Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we yes. do. Yeah, we enjoy yeah. it. We enjoy I mean, it. That's why we're so grateful to Spectrum because they employ a lot of, uh, I think like 70% of their employee workforce is some, is on the autism spectrum. Yes, it gives you purpose. Yeah. yeah. I and, work and, here and at Spectrum Designs 366 every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's fantastic. Yeah. And the best part about it is that it's a real viable business providing a service to the community. Did you get any awards? Uh, let's see. In law school, I received an award for the highest grade in estate administration. In 2014, my firm received the Texas Lawyers Award for the highest verdict in a discrimination case. I have received Long Island's Business Award for Employment Discrimination, and we just had a new verdict in Texas a few months ago that will likely also receive an award. Very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, it's amazing <coughs> how, how, how much progress the firm is making and amazing how the firm is going. Um, this ties back into the question Jason asked last. Uh, for your time in Queens, what is the prosecution process for the conviction of homicides and other crimes. So generally you have a complainant, except in a homicide that person is deceased, uh, and they will bring a claim either through the police department or to the DA's office, most likely through the police department. Yeah. An individual is arrested and then the DA's office decides if they're going to prosecute that person, they will figure out what crime to charge and then the, uh, the case proceeds through the court system um, in a process called discovery, yeah. there are motions, decisions are made about what evidence is, is admissible, uh, and if there is not a plea bargain with a defendant, that case will eventually go to trial, where a jury is picked, yeah. evidence is presented to that jury by both sides, and a verdict is rendered. <laughs> very cool, very cool. 
So, so cool. Thank you. It was a good job. I enjoyed that job. You're welcome. All right, Jason, I think you're up now. Okay. (laughs) What's your next next question, batter up? Okay. Can you describe the types of law? Law in general? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Law in general. So we have something that came from England. It's called the common law. And it's and it's uh, it's not written down, meaning so it's not codified in a code, but it's general law, right? So if I were to take your phone, right, that would be theft. That would be that would violate the common law, right? If I were to hit someone, that would violate the common law. Um, so generally, we have all of these laws that we that existed or rules, and we've eventually codified them. So. In New York State, we have the penal law, which is the criminal law. We have the New York State human rights law, which prevents discrimination. We have the New York labor law, which deals with employees and employers. We have business corporations law that deals with corporations. And there are many, many other than that we will not discuss today because it would take a long time. (laughs) Yes. I enjoyed law school immensely. I learned an awful lot about the laws there, and I felt that I was probably the smartest I ever was when I was in law school when I was cramming for the bar exam. Cramming means studying for a very big test. To become a lawyer, you have to pass something called a bar exam. I see. Yep. You look smart. Okay, Jason, okay. Looks can be deceiving, Jason, but thank you for that compliment. That was very nice of you. You look smart as well. So, that's his comedy hour. What is the best part of your job? The best part of my job is providing compensation to people who've been injured. I will give you an example of one of my most favorite. Many years ago, I had a case involving prevailing wage. So, prevailing wage is what the government has to pay its employees. And if they hire outside contractors, it's what they have to pay outside contractors. So it's called the prevailing wage because it's what is being paid to the prevailing people. Uh, we had a case against New York City. They were paying people 30 to $40 less per hour than required by law. And I was able to give about 17 different workers hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, that they had been cheated from. Uh, and these, these individuals were in my office. They were crying that they were so happy that we were able to get them this compensation. So that's, uh, that's the best part of my job. Okay. Yes, yes. I mean, I mean, it's somewhat similar to Nicholas Center, how, yeah, I mean, how they teach me stuff. Um, because before I was hired, I was very anxious, but the Nicholas Center came up with like Kobo strategies and stuff to, uh, I guess, help. Yeah, yeah, helped me get high, 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 hired. And I remember that day specifically. I, I think it was May, it was during the pandemic, actually. We just came back to work. And Dave came in and said that, Drew, you, you, you are officially going to be hired. That is a so, really good story, Robert. You remember that day. I remember that day. Yeah. yeah. I do agree. Yeah. The more the merrier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh... <clears throat> So uh, what are all the laws you practice? What are every single law that you practice? Every single law I practice, uh, they would be discrimination laws. I mentioned those before, federal, state, and city. 
Uh, I practice the FLSA. That's the federal law. It's the Fair Labor Standards Act. I also practice the New York labor law. Those are the laws that deal with wage and hour discrimination. I also deal with the FCA. That's the False Claims Act. That's a federal law involving whistleblowing. And New York State also has its own False Claims Act. Those are are mostly the laws that I deal with. Yes. Do you work for federal, state, or local government? I do not work for the federal government, the state government, or local government. I mostly represent employees who are suing the federal, state, or local government. So, for instance, right now, I represent a group of individuals at the fire department of New York City. They are fire protection investigators, and we've alleged that they're being paid less than their similarly situated counterparts who are building inspectors on the basis of race. It is peculiar that um, employees who are primarily black and Hispanic are being paid less than employees who are primarily white. Um, it's so peculiar that we brought a lawsuit. Yes, yes, agreed, agreed. Yeah, this has been ongoing for some time. I remember hearing about it last year, actually, from you. Yes, this is a long, ongoing case. Yeah. Most of the cases take time, unless the discrimination is incredibly egregious, In those situations, employers will want to settle quickly. Do you want to know what that means? Yes. Yes. So before even having to file a lawsuit, we send a demand letter describing the situation and asking the employer if they want to resolve the case. And sometimes the employers say yes, and cases are resolved monetarily before they even go to court. Do you go to court sometimes? I go to court quite often. I was in court yesterday. Oh, that's stupendous. Jury on the left and, uh, wait, the jury is over here and the other people over there. So the jury generally, that's that's how one of the rules is that the prosecutor sits closer to the jury. Or in a civil case, the plaintiff sits closer to the jury because both the prosecutor and the plaintiff have the burden of proof. And that's why I went from being a prosecutor doing criminal law to kind of being a lawyer doing civil law for plaintiffs because they're very similar. You're prosecuting people who've done something wrong or at least allegedly wrong. So I have lectured to the Nassau County Bar Association about wage and hour violations. So we talk about employees not being paid minimum wage, which violates the law. Right? So there's a certain amount of money employees should get for every hour that they work. There's also overtime. If employees work more than 40 hours in a week, they should get something called time and a half. Right? So if you're paid $10 an hour, time and a half would be 15, right? Because it's 10 plus 5 is 15. I've lectured on that. Oh. I've lectured on implicit bias with the Federal Bar Association. Uh, those are the, the stereotypes that we kind of grow up with. And it's incumbent upon employers to create systems in their workplaces to prevent implicit bias. Right. So biases that 
certain groups of people are lazy or late or who don't work hard. If you believe those things as an employer, then it allows you to kind of justify the discrimination and we have to work hard to overcome those. Um, what is, um, how does, how does discrimination and felony laws differ? How does discrimination and what you did in Queens differ? So the prosecution aspect of a case is similar, but obviously the consequences and the procedure of how they're handled in court are different. So uh, for a felony, that's a crime. You're being charged. Uh, you are not being charged by a person. You're being charged by the state. So you have a, if you ever see a caption for a criminal case, it'll say the people of the state of New York versus, let's say, Robert Valley. So there's a person who's, a, who's witnessed the crime, but they are not the person prosecuting. In a civil case, it generally doesn't say the people of the state of New York. It would say, let's say, Jason versus Robert. So it's two people. Or it could say, you know, Spectrum versus Nicholas Center. So it would be two corporations. Uh, then the burden of proof is very different. Do you know what the burden of proof is in a criminal case, Tara? Uh, no, tell us about it. How about Jason? Can you think of the burden of proof? Burden of you may have heard it on Law and Order. Burden of the of proof is what the prosecutor has to prove to a jury. It's beyond a reasonable doubt. I've heard that before. Burden of proof? No. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard it several times. Um, so the burden of proof in a criminal case is beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. But in a civil case, <clears throat> it's a preponderance. And there's really no hard and fast rule to describe those two, except that it's far more difficult to prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt, because under the law, we want to make it difficult to convict people of a crime. We want to make sure there is no reasonable doubt that they didn't commit it. But in a civil case, we don't have the same concerns about incarcerating someone, so it's just a preponderance, meaning if there was a scale and it was 1% more for one side or the other, you would go with the side that had the extra 1%. There's a difference between criminal law and civil law in a variety of ways. Procedurally also, you have a jury of 12, usually in a criminal case. Right? You need a unanimous jury. So there are some, some different rules. Yes, it's very, very interesting indeed. Uh, what ideas did you come up with at the firm to make it like run smoother logistically? Okay, like so, so one of the first things that we've done is we have a receptionist who answers the phone and schedules all our appointments. Mm -hmm. For that week, every intake that comes in comes to one attorney, so that kind of streamlines the intake process. Uh, and then we have a Google-based email and calendar system. So everything is on my phone and accessible. We have a server that holds all our data, right? All our computer data. And we have a cloud, and it's a cloud-based system. So we can access it when we're on the road. That's how we've streamlined our office. Sweet.
Yes. Um, yes. I believe we've done this in the Nicholas Center. You in have. In terms of how like, classes are scheduled, groups are like, how, how participants put into groups. What did you do during the pandemic regarding the Nicholas Center? The, the pandemic was very interesting because at first it was just the me and Kyle and Spectrum Suds. But as, as you know, the world opened up more, um, there, there were different things done. We did a lot of Zooms at the law firm during the pandemic. I think we, I think we did the, I think, I think we did the same too. Still, 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 still do it to a certain extent. Okay. Yeah. Zoom to a certain extent. Not as many as we did, but still do it to a certain extent. Yeah. How do you feel about Zoom? It's good. We, 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 we feel like it could be a really good tool to communicate with people when we can't actually see them. I would have to agree. Yeah, during bad weather, we can just communicate with them. Yeah. Yeah, Zoom is good place. Yeah, because well, um, Microsoft Teams, we don't want to discriminate yeah. against Microsoft. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I remember uh, that COVID nineteen started way back in two thousand twenty. That we've been doing the Zoom calls. Yeah, right around February March. Yeah. So. Tell, yeah, tell. it's not we easy staying have, home. Um, actually, we also. Speaking of Zoom, we also done podcast via Zoom. A couple episodes of the podcast. Oh, okay. Zoom too. Uh, yep. We we did Dave Thompson who lives in Nashville. We uh, did uh, yep. an Albany send send send. Westchester uh, officer Eric uh, Eric uh, Chief Eric. Let's call him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chief Eric of Westchester. We we had Plantero in here. That's right. Named Marvin. Yeah, yeah Marvin. Uh, yeah. And I will say this. Uh, how does the Zoom? How 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 does the the the, the trial dynamic and dynamics um differ between Zoom and uh, yeah 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 versus in person? So uh, to do a Zoom trial requires a another level of preparation. So for instance, all of your exhibits for both sides have to be presented to the judge and the court of, a court reporter prior to the trial and have to be um, either admitted or uh, objected to, but the digital copy has to be available because the judge or the hearing officer is going to put that up on the screen for the witness to see. Um, in a normal trial, you would hold on to your exhibits and just present them to the witness, but you can't do that during Zoom. Um, in addition, obviously, um, you're wearing either a headset or a mic, so uh, there's issues with audio and issues with video, issues with bandwidth. We've had some attorneys have poor bandwidth, so they're not unable to appear. And I think you all may have seen that video of the attorney who put the Zoom filter on and turned himself into a cat. He was trying to turn it off. I was like, how, how, how am I going to turn it off? Oh, he, 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 he uh, did that, he did that. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> oh, like this? Wow. Yes, yes, yes. No, actually, he did not sound like a cat. No, he was, he was trying uh, to... That face on, like, a filter, he so did that. So yeah. that's one of the things, Robert, that's different than, obviously, in person, because he would not have to worry about a Zoom filter if yeah. you were in person. Yeah, yeah. You sure? Oh, those fun frame things? 
Oh yeah, those fun frame things. Right. Yeah. So uh, Terry asked the uh, next question. I guess. Yeah. Have you ever worked with autism kids? Have I worked with who? Have you have you uh, have you worked with autism kids as they enter in uh, like, like, um, the office um, or something? Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Sorry. So I haven't had any with autism. Sure. That's that's what I meant. Sorry. So I haven't had any employment cases, so to speak. With actually, you know what? I correct myself. I have a current case involving a gentleman who's in his fifties who is autistic, who worked at Walmart, stocking the dairy department. And we have alleged that he was discriminated against because of his disability. And we are now negotiating with Walmart on that issue. Also, um, I dealt with a lot of cases for students involving their IEPs which stands for Individualized Education Plan, which might be something that you may, you may have had when you were in public school yes. prior to oh, your time yeah. at Spectrum. I know Robert had an IEP. Yeah, I had an IEP, yes. So I worked uh, kind of like a prosecutor to make sure that school districts provided the services that were delineated in a person's IEP. So, for instance, if Robert needed speech therapy and they were only doing it once a week, but the IEP said three times a week, um, I indicated to them that you know, we would have to bring an a-, a lawsuit or an action to uh, get them to comply with the IEP. So I did a lot of that work, and some of those students uh, were autistic. Oh, yeah. Yes, I remember, yeah, I remember that case mm-hmm. very, very well. Uh, I, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember you and mom called into the school several times to make sure uh, stuff was given to me that that that, that was necessary. And I very much thank you guys for doing that. Yes. Because without a... that, I may have never, never found this place. So thank you. You're quite welcome. It's part of my responsibilities as a parent. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. So so I think it's uh, so. Yeah. That's my question now. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you hope that disability law changes in the future? So not just disability law, but discrimination law in general, I would like to see Congress and the uh, state assemblies and senates make it easier to prove discrimination um, because it is so awful. It creates such a problem in the workplace for workers. It's demoralizing to workers, so it should be easier for employees to present their cases and to prosecute their cases and there for there to be a remedy, right? It shouldn't be that an employee just has to leave and get paid. There should be remedies in place for employees to be able to work through their differences with their employers um, on, a, you know, on a level that allows them to remain employed. Yes, completely agree, completely agree. I know you do. Um, <laughs> so Jason, I think you have the next question. What what call 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 colleges specifically did 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 did, did you get degrees from? Go ahead, Robert. You can answer that question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can do it. Um, well, I mean, I know you went to St. John's, but I don't know if you went anywhere else besides that. That is it. I went to St. John's University for my undergraduate degree, and I attended St. John's School of Law for my law degree, and I have taken. Hundreds of hours 
of CLEs. They stand for Continuing Legal Education Credits. Um, there are a number of organizations around the country. The National Employment Lawyers Association is one of them. That's, that's NELA. <laughs> NELA has a conference or multiple conferences every year where you can go and be uh, refreshed on the current state of the law. Interesting. Yeah, no, those yes. are fantastic um, conferences. Um, um, I guess, uh, how long is, um, um, how often do, 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 do you have to do those classes? I need 24 credits every two years. So I like to do them about every six months to go to a conference. Uh, I've actually spoken at one of the conferences. That was the Federal Bar Association. Yeah. It's important to stay abreast of the current changes in the law so that you can properly represent your client. Awesome. It's like the, the, any new changes here at Spectrum to keep you uh, abreast of how the process of making uh, running a commercial business. Uh, Pixel 11 just came uh, last week. Pixel oh. 11. Oh, so you yeah. had a little. Do you remember Pix Eleven? Yeah. I know Pix Eleven, so you got a little advertisement. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. we. That's we, fantastic. Uh, we worked with the red trading shirts. Yeah, Red Bulls. Academy program. Oh, wow. Oh, didn't we? Didn't we do Bella Canvas? They came over here, Bella Canvas. Yes, we did. We did. Yeah, awesome. Bella Canvas. Any other sports teams that you guys work with? Um, yeah. the Islanders, right? We work with the Raptors. Okay, uh, we work with the. Uh, we work with the Islanders, we work with the Rangers, we work with the Knicks, we're working with a rugby team now in New York as well. That's fantastic. Uh, That's great work. We hooked up with the MTA, right? Yes. Subway line? A, a lot of shirts for MTA signs. I am aware. I am aware. I've seen you come home with the with the ink on your clothes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's how that's how messy it is yeah, over there. The, the uh, stairs were stained once after, I remember actually. The stairs were stained once. Oh, remember remember someone did uh, someone someone left footprints on the on the on the staircase. They didn't wipe their shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny. It's fun. Yeah. Funny. So uh So I guess the last question that we'll ask is uh how do you hope the firm will grow in the future? How do you hope your firm and the law will grow in the future? So right now, there are, I would call them issues, for instance, uh, where the Supreme Court of the United States has made discrimination cases more difficult to prosecute. Yeah. So for instance, um, retaliation yeah. is, uh, more difficult to prosecute than regular discrimination. So I'm hopeful that those laws will be reversed or changed again to make discrimination easier to prove in a court of law. Yeah. That would allow me to uh, provide a better recovery for my clients. Yes. Um, thank you so much for coming, yeah. coming, 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 coming on the podcast. Uh, Dad, um, it was amazing having you. Thank you for having me. This Thank was... you, Mr. Thank you. Rob. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, producer. Thank you, Rob, for coming on the show. We will be right back.
This is George, Fred, and Jason, the co-leaders of Speak, interrupting to say that we hope you're enjoying this episode, but please make sure to check out our new show, The Speak Podcast, another great show produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes available every two weeks on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Each Speak Talk is about six to ten minutes in length, and the talks are given in storytelling format. There are three key moments in each Speak Talk. The moment of truth, the moment of transformation, and the moment of impact. We host pop-up events all over the world, and now we're bringing our talks to your device. Join us on the Speak Podcast as our speakers step onto the stage and into the spotlight with impactful ideas and stories. We'll let you get back to the show you were listening to, another great podcast from Launchpad 516 Studios. You're listening to Agents of Humanity, presented by the Nicholas Center and produced by Lunchpad 516 Studio. So today, as you follow up to the conversation we had with my father, Robert Valley Jr., we'll be talking more in depth about discrimination, what it entails, how we can mitigate, yeah, how we can mitigate it, and and um, how discrimination makes us personally feel. Yeah. As a, as the first comment of this conversation, I, I, I will say I believe that discrimination, no matter who it happens to, no matter what race, creed, sex, country of origin you are, I believe discrimination is always wrong. I think discrimination is bad thing because it's not good to bully people because of of how they look or their abilities some people think it's okay to discriminate against people who are different than them but it's not we shouldn't make fun of them um once i understood fully what my father does for a job, I had nothing but respect for him because he fights every single day for people like me. Um, it's actually getting even busier now. Um, there, 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 there is a case that he has that could. I can't give you give the details of it, but it could potentially net him and his firm well over a million dollars this year. So I'm very happy, happy, happy with what he's doing. One way I think we can. Um, um, help prevent discrimination in schools in particular is have anti-bullying laws for uh, schools where um, if 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 we, we 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 have a law that people can file civil, civil civil suits against parents of students who are who have been engaging in bullying type behaviors and they can be legally sued in court for civil liability. Laws can help people follow them and help protect individuals. Robert, what laws make you feel safe? Well, in particular, I would say that the laws that make me feel safe are laws that, um, um, that the, the, the minimum wage laws make me feel safe. The, uh, the discrimination laws against, uh, people with mental disabilities make me feel safe. Uh, yeah, yeah, I will say that. 
is the primary loss that made me feel safe. I would appreciate if we had gun control loss. That wouldn't make me feel safe if we had those. Uh, unfortunately, we don't. But, uh, yeah, that's some, something we've got to work on next, I feel. So, so Tara, same question. What laws in particular make you feel safe? Um, I think the police laws because um, they stop crime and help people out. Laws that make me feel safe are minding the gap for trains and subways. My opinion on discrimination are it shouldn't be allowed. Things that make me feel safe are being at home, my family, crossing guards, and police. My opinion on discrimination is that it's bad because you shouldn't be mean to others. Overall, I feel very safe when there is multiple representations of diversity in a town. I believe that discrimination should be illegal in all circumstances, and I am very happy that my father works to curb this problem. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening, and uh, see, see, see you guys next time. Yeah. This yeah. podcast is adjourned. Agents of Humanity is produced by Launchpad 516 Studio. Executive produced by George Andriopoulos. Our theme song, The Neverless Sea Preservative, is by Bonnie Grace. Music and sound effects licensed through Epidemic Sound. Agents of Humanity is hosted with Podbean. This podcast is presented by the Nicholas Center, a human services agency that's revolutionizing the way autistic people learn, live, and work. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Follow the Nicholas Center at the Nicholas Center on Facebook, at Nicholas Center on Instagram, and at Nicholas-Center on LinkedIn. Visit our website, tncnewyork.org, for more information, upcoming events, or to donate. Please make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Lunchpad 516 Studios.